So we're yeah. like the gold. You need to change the name of the podcast, and the three of us can host it, and it can be like the Golden Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Robert, very well, very well. The weather's good. I don't think we've been on together for a couple of weeks. It seems like ages, Robert. When was the last time we were doing oh, a podcast? Don't ask, don't ask me to do that kind of math. There, do the friend. math. Uh, it seems like forever, but it seems like yesterday, which is uh, always a good thing. And always think, a good thing. And because we're having these kind of conversations day in and day out when we cross paths at work, it right. kind of do lose track of of these kind of things. But listen, you have a really good guest for us tonight, do you not, Robert? As usual, I, you've lined up another fantastic guest on Pints yeah, and Pews. And we were talking with our guest just a moment ago before we started recording mm-hmm. um, about how, you know, had this organized for, for months now. And that kind of seems to have thrown a bit of a, a wrench in the works because when uh, you know I organize things a month ahead of time, people tend to to forget or get distracted and right. uh, need, need those kind of reminders. Like when you give me the show notes like three months before, and then I'm like lost them in my pile of papers on my desk. Right? Is that that's usually how it works? That that that's about it. Right. Yeah. So having to to reprint those off. But yeah, no, we have a, a great guest today. I didn't realize this when I booked uh, our guest today. Uh, and our guest is from Panama, and today is the one-year anniversary of that uh, soccer match that catapulted the Canadian men's national team <laughs> off towards the World Cup um, with that fantastic goal by Alfonso Davies for the. Boy, you got a great memory, Robert. I remember watching that too. That hasn't. That is that been a year already? Yeah, that showed up in my Facebook feed. So wow. like, it's not. It's not like I have a great memory, <laughs> but I can see our guest kind of shaking his head. He's ready to to weigh in on that discussion, I think, as well. So. Uh, I'll take a moment here, and I'm going to introduce Deacon Pedro, who was born and raised in Panama, as we just mentioned, but moved to Canada in 1985 to pursue his theatrical education at Pearson College on Vancouver Island, and then at York University in Toronto. After 10 years of working as an actor and acting coach, Deacon Pedro was hired as the Artistic Director for World Youth Day 2002 in Toronto which in turn then led to his current role as producer and on-air, on-air host at Salt and Light Catholic Media. Uh, sorry, the, the on-air and on-air and with the working in French all day, that kind of gets mixed in there together. <laughs> but since 2002, Deacon Pedro has produced a number of Catholic documentaries and TV programs, including Deconstructing, Yes, Lord, a Children's Liturgy of the Word, Creation, Perspectives, and most recently, Walking Together, a documentary on Canada's residential schools and the path towards reconciliation, which also then led to an involved uh, Pope Francis's visit to Canada this past July. Deacon Pedro is also the host of the Salt and Light Hour, which is a weekly show airing across many Catholic radio stations in Canada and the United States, where he highlights Catholic arts and culture while interviewing engaging guests. Not going to mention any names of his uh, past guests there. <laughs> Ordained to the permanent diaconate for the Archdiocese of, of Toronto in 2012, Deacon Pedro is a busy man who has found the time to sit down with us here this evening and share a pint. So Deacon Pedro, welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. So good to be here. That was a long intro. <laughs> well, you're such a busy man. That was, done that so was much good. great work. And can I just clarify, you didn't book me a month ago. You booked me like in May. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Four months. That's about average. Yeah. And when you said engaging guests, I was going to say, yeah, except for the guy in July. I just couldn't get through that podcast because that took forever. Yeah. When oh, I, when I went back and listened to that interview, yeah, I was like, yeah, I I Just for our listeners, well. Robert was the guest. Robert the was my guest. That was a great little. That was a great. I listened about. to that absolutely. I was just teasing him, Deacon. Yeah, I Dennis listens, listens to that so every night before bed because it's my cure puts him to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> just like my mother-in-law on this show, right? Can Robert. I just say, like, even though my intro that was a long intro, all all I want is what Robert does all the time, which is like 
publish a book. So Robert, you are a published author and that's why you got to be on my show. So Excellent. there you go. Thank you. Thank you. No, and it, and it was great fun. I always say it's easier being the one leading the show than being the guest on the show. I find when I'm a guest on the show, I get all worked up and antsy uh, and want it just to be perfect where when we have the guests on the show, kind of the pressure is off. Really? Right? It is I, off, I, yeah. I find the pressure is off because it's, you know, our, our listeners just... aren't necessarily coming to listen to Dennis and I. They're, no, they're, they're going to listen to the, the guests. Jeez, well, I don't know. I just came. I just came for the beer, yeah. <laughs> the cider, the cider. Oh, you gave it. You gave it away. I okay, gave it away, didn't I? You gave it away. Yeah. So, okay. uh, what what are you gentlemen drinking? What are you drinking with us then, Deacon Pedro? Well, since, since kind of Dennis the already bag. spilled, yeah, seriously, spilled so the beans. I I have to, and and you know what? Had if Panamanian beer was readily available anywhere near here, I probably would have. Would have had a little panamanian beer which is which tends to be very the closest that i've found to panamanian beer in in style of beer like a sapporo that kind of that's panamanian okay. beer is, is very similar to sapporo and and there's there's lots of really good panamanian beer but i'm not a big beer drinker especially you know after dinner like that's not for us drinking beer it's like you you, you have a nice cold beer on a hot day when you're mowing the lawn like that's mm-hmm. when you drink beer you don't usually nice. drink beer with with meals or or or, or after parties or after meals um but uh, so i'm drinking apple cider and and if people could watch they would see that i'm showing the bottle here because i'm promoting a local cidery is that what you call a place that makes cider i think so a, a cidery cidery um, not that I'm place, there that often. So, so for yeah. those of you, so just north of Toronto, there's a little place called Uxbridge, uh, not far from where Robert lives, actually. And just north of Uxbridge, there's a little place called Banjo, and they make this really good cider. And it's not too far away from here, so I'm supporting our local uh, local farmers and uh, drinking some apple cider. And they have all kinds, but this one's just like regular apple cider, all like straight up. Straight up. And you're about what a half an hour, 45 minutes north of the city of Toronto, approximately northwest. It depends northeast. how fast you drive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just north of a little place called New Market. That's about, yeah, 60 kilometers north. Right. My hometown. New Market. Well, that's right. Yeah. Are you serious, Robert? You grew up in New Market? Uh, born and raised in New Market. Okay. Did I know this? And I've completely I don't forgotten. Know. You've, you've never told me this. I, I don't know if I ever mentioned it. I, it probably never came out in conversation before. Did you, know, go to, did you go to Sacred Heart? I went to school? Sacred Heart. I was the, I want to say first, if not the first, the second year of full funding that went through of Sacred full Heart. Full funding. Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. So both my, my kids, my two sons went to Sacred Heart as well. That's At the, the same Catholic. time that I went to Sacred Heart, you two Catholic. Were there, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. No, you're actually older than me. The Catholic high school in, in Newmarket. Yeah. But I live a little further north than Newmarket. Further north. Okay. In a little place called Holland Landing, just south right, of Bradford. Right. So Bradford is where my parish is. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's where I first got to hear of Deacon Pedro because my mom was a parishioner at Holy Martyrs of Japan in Bradford. She, she was? She was. And that's a whole long story for another time off okay. there. Uh, she moved back to Newmarket. They were living down the street in Bradford. She moved back to Newmarket, and uh, we're just going to finish the story there. Okay, but right it's not now. like she heard the deacon and then decided to leave the Catholic Church. Let's just say that. Let's just say <laughs> get out of Dodge quickly. <laughs> She's like, let's move to another parish quickly. No, from that from deacon. what I heard, it was the 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 one deacon was what was keeping her going there. Oh, the other deacon. That must no, have been deacon no, I think <laughs> oh. I think it was the, the the more charismatic speaker. Of the, of the, so Deacon Pedro, I heard a number of times uh, about the, the great homilies that were going on at, at Holy Martyrs of Japan Parish. So so Deacon Pedro's got his cider on the go. Dennis, what right. are you? I have. To open there. Uppers. Hmm? Golden Lager. And I don't know if Deacon Pedro's familiar with Letterkenny, the show. I realized after I picked it up that it, it, it uh, it's from this Letterkenny show, which is big on... I guess it started on YouTube and it's not really on mainstream channels, but it's picked up in the States. It's, you know, about these hicks living up in Letterkenny, fictional town in Terra. It's actually filmed in Sudbury and they were drinking this Pupper's beer. So this craft brewery in um, Sudbury called Stack Brewing decided to brew a beer called Pupper's and it's become very popular. Okay. And then, of course, it became so popular that Labatt 
took over poppers in um 2021 so it's now brewed uh with mill street is one and labat is the other that brews it but and, um, and that's how it ended it. up in, in oh. ended up in your fridge because it's and no that's longer how, a craft beer yeah, yeah. well yeah because i ended up at sobeys and i saw it in sobeys and now i i know that labat is you know distributing oh, wow. it to sobeys lcbo the beer and it's store. got a very attractive golden retriever it's got a great the, little and I golden retrievers hey, are the best here i was just that you're saying that i because you had a golden retriever do you have a golden i had retriever? a no max max died uh two years ago Okay. just 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 before the pandemic actually he was 14 years old so he lived oh, a really long age. life and uh we kept him as comfortable as possible to the that's end great. and uh yeah that was about the hardest thing i ever oh, had to do no. in my life yeah, yeah. And, and then dennis you would have lost your hunter about the same time about a year and a half ago same thing yeah. uh, a little bit younger <laughs> 11 but and then we just we rescued another golden about uh, less than, just less than a year ago from cairo from egypt so oh we have wow a second see so, you're i would never i'm done i'm never going through that again it was yes. really that was the worst day of my yeah. life was, I'm not exaggerating. That was the worst day of my yeah. life. I'm oh. not going through that again. So Com we, we had a really good run, 14 years with a dog. Yeah, That's it. Golden, I, that is fantastic. But work. I will I will dog sit, Dennis. If you ever need to yes, go away and you will. need someone to take care of your dog, we Thank will do you. that. Oh. And he's a great dog. He's very easygoing. He's a really, really good dog. He was underweight, and now he's back up to his normal weight. Nice. So it's good. Can, good. can yeah. I get my Goldie in on that uh, dog sitting action too. as well, too? We have a Golden Retriever as well. Oh, really? So we're <laughs> yeah. like the Gold. You need to change the name of the podcast, and the three of us can host it, and it can be like the Golden Boys. There might be a copyright on that, Deacon. <laughs> either that, or we, we all need to be drinking Molson Golden here, yeah. too, right? Yeah. Oh. Oh, I, I grew up with golden retrievers and uh, such great dogs. Yeah, and this so is uh, as our family, my wife and I. This is our second golden retriever. I'm starting to get dry and, and thirsty here too, so I'm gonna. Not that anyone asked, but I'm gonna open my Bob Cage and Dockside Red Ale. You're so here. good. You've always got the craft beer on the go, eh, Robert? No, oh, 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 no big oh, oh, change oh, oh. for and you. And now he's making a mess, a spilling it all over the place. Mess. So, see, as soon as you say red, see, uh, this is like. I don't know. Those beers are too hoppy for me. Like I, I Sapporo, I can do. Well, you know what? Well, some of those German lagers I could do. They're do. I agree with you totally. Don't get put off by the red. Robert brings these IPAs on all the yeah, time. Yeah, like oh, there's too and much. They're just too hoppy. I don't like them at all. But yeah, I don't. This red I, one might be. Okay. I don't. I'm, I'm going to get you guys to chat for a minute. Maybe even say grace before beer. I got to go get a towel and clean this up. Oh, that so you, you, you guys actually did make a mess. Yourselves. I did make a yeah. mess. You did make a mess. So, uh, so that uh, talked once before in the show. And I just want to mention about the new market connection with Robert. He actually had a guest on. This was a few months ago. And as they were speaking, this guest grew up in new market and Robert grew up in new market. And they had no idea. And they grew up, I think the guest was probably a like younger. a couple blocks away from each other. That's right. And my sister That's... actually had a store on Main Street in New Market. She's now oh. moved up to Barry, but. She had a Main Street for a uh, store on Main Street for a long time, an art artistic oh, really? store. Actually, artistic store. There you go. Yeah, nice. You know, you know what? And for people that, if I mean, if people are anywhere near Newmarket or the Toronto area or Newmarket, the Main Street has had it's turned out to. I mean, they've done a really good job at fixing it up. It's it's a nice place to go for a walk. There's it's a, a nice, beautiful little Main Street. The, isn't the, it? the waterfront commons there, where they have the fountain, and in the winter, it's a skating rink. Skating rink. We've they done have the skating a stage, and now like it's like it's a gathering place. Like it's actually like a like a old town plaza or square right where people gather and they go to walk their dogs and they go hand in hand and it's, and, it's uh, a beautiful yeah, spot and not to is. take anything away from robert's port perry which i love but his main street is right through it's really a main street where kind of main street and new market it's off the beaten path which oh I yeah like. no it's, it's not a main as busy street. with the traffic yeah main street new market is the kind of main street where you park at one end and you walk right. down and you stop at the maid's cottage for like some uh, you know, butter tarts. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. The Bates Cottage. Oh, that yeah. rings a bell for yeah, sure. Yeah, it. it's a beautiful and that beautiful little um, fairy lake there. The trails and fairy lake at fairy the lake, other end. Right. Yes, yep. absolutely. End, yeah. yeah, you guys are. There taking you go, Robert. We're making you uh, feel homesick. homesick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, have you guys said grace before beer yet? Or? No, we haven't. Oh, okay. We're so waiting for you. I always take a quick picture. Actually, of Robert wouldn't have out. noticed that with Main Street too. When he grew up, it was, I guess it was when undergoing. I, when I grew up, Main Street was pretty dingy. You didn't want to go near Main Street. No, they fixed it up it. nicely. It's really nice now. Yeah, no, it, it does look good. So, so how do we do this grace? Do we just pray like, like, like pray, just let go? Yeah. 
Yeah, so if you could do the honors, please, Deacon Pedro. As the, I would love to. As the, love the only ordained minister of the church here with us today. All right, so, so we, in the name of the Father, the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deemed to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant, through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it, may gain health in body and peace in soul. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Father, and of the Son, and, the Son, and, of and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And that, of course, that blessing extends to not just grain, but fruit for those drinking cider. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. Apple. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Salud. Father, this uh, deacon, excuse me, this is part of the show where I release my inner Marcus Grodi and we get out of the way, myself and Robert, and we, we let you take us back to certainly Panama and how you ended up in Canada and how you ended up at Salt and Light. So take as much time as you want. Just let the listeners know how, how did this journey, you know, almost, I guess, 35 years later end up where yeah. we're talking to you right now on Zoom. Yeah, a little more than 35 years. Yeah. Um, I used to think that it was like, I don't have a really good like conversion story and I don't have like a really good, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm the, you know, the, the son of a sick father who had to shine shoes for a living. Um, but then it occurred to me one day that, that that's probably a good thing because most people don't have that story. Most people are just the ordinary kind of like yeah my mom took us to church my dad didn't go to church but that's because none of the dads went to church um and and i had a really good church experience uh youth group uh music group like seriously i i, I had great relationships with priests so i had very positive church experience um so if, in fact i'd say that if i am in the church today is because of that as simple as that it has nothing to do with belief it has nothing to do with theology it has nothing it has to do with I, I had a really good church experience and, and I was always welcomed and invited and felt like I had a place that was home. Um, and, 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 uh, if there, if there, if people are writing down lessons, that's the first lesson, you know, like people stay in the church because they feel like it's home and they're welcomed. So if you're not investing in, in keeping, in, in making people feel like they're invited and welcomed and that there's a place for them there, then you're not investing in the most important thing. Um, so when I was 16, I, uh, so my mom was Canadian, even though she was born in Panama. Um, and when I was 16, I won a, I won a scholarship to finish my high school. Actually, it wasn't a theater school, um, but it was a, a two-year uh, program to finish high school at a school that happened to be on Vancouver Island. It was, it was just kind of coincidence because, because of my mother, I born in Panama, but we were all Canadian citizens. So I, I don't know why I won the scholarship. We can look back and say that God's hand was in that. Um, at the time, I just thought, hey, I have this great opportunity to go to this school. It's an international school. It was an IB program for people that, that are familiar with the International Baccalaureate. And in those days, you know, now every other school is an IB school. But in those days, mm -hmm. there were, weren't very many. Yeah, very many. Um, and just for our listeners, it was on the it's on the beautiful west coast of yes, Canada, on Vancouver British Island, Columbia, on yeah. Vancouver Island. A really exactly, beautiful exactly, yeah. beautiful place, which is where my grandfather was from. He was from Van oh, just outside Vancouver, that. so okay. I have family there. Huh. And uh, um, but a small, small program, two hundred students from sixty different countries. We were all between sixteen and nineteen years old. It was this great experience, extremely secular almost antagonistic to faith but somehow that experience strengthened my faith because it was a very positive spiritual experience um and then when i finished there and it was at, at it, so that's it's called pearson college lester b called lester b pearson college of the pacific it's a part of the, the united world college movement um so some of our your listeners might be familiar with the uwc the united world college movement um and now when i went there were seven colleges around the world i think now they have about 15 or 16 around the world um so at pearson college i got interested in theater 
and I didn't know what to study in university. And I thought, hey, I enjoy being on stage and doing some theater. So why don't I just apply to a bunch of theater schools? And I just got in at York University in Toronto. <laughs> and so I packed my bags and took the Greyhound and came to Toronto and uh, slugged it through theater school at York University, which turned out to be an excellent program for me. Um, and uh, I did that. And I was always convinced that, you know, God wants me to be an actor. God wants me to be famous and God wants me to be rich. And of course, God doesn't want anybody to be famous or rich. Um, <laughs> it's funny how we do that sometimes is we put our own <laughs> ambitions onto oh, God's totally. will for All us. Time. Right? All the time. Mm -hmm. But 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 also, I mean, now it, looking back and it's this very Ignatian, like, like you look back and you see how where God's hand has been in your life. And then, yeah, absolutely. God wanted me to be in that program. And God wanted me to train as an actor in theater school. Mm -hmm. um, I look at it now as a deacon when I'm preaching, and I totally know why I went to theater school. And of course, the work that I'm doing at Salt and Light on camera and, uh, and hosting shows and stuff. Um, but at the time, I had a different idea. Um, and, and after finishing at university, like I did that, I did that actor thing for about 10 years. Um, of course, nobody makes a living <laughs> from acting, you know, that for that long, I had a couple of really good years and it, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't easy. So my, my day job, uh, I was very lucky because I was, I'd never once served tables. I'd never once worked <laughs> in a restaurant, you know, as a, as a server or a bartender. So you're not I, that Hollywood stereotype. No, I'm not. But, but again, God's hand. I remember being at St. Basil's. And Dennis, that's your parish yeah, or that used to be. That was parish. the parish that when I was at St. Mike's. And, right. And it turns out that it was it was the parish that my mother Probably. went to when she lived in Toronto in, right. in the late 50s. Um, and I don't know, I guess I was there. It's a downtown parish. It mm -hmm. wasn't my parish. I my parish was Our Lady of Lourdes, the Jesuit parish. Right. But I happened to be at at at, at St. Basil's and I in the back, you know, at the back of the church where they have all the little pamphlets and booklets and right. little things, I picked up this little booklet and the cover of the booklet said, sometimes God has the face of a child or sometimes God's face is the face of a kid or something like sometimes God's face is a kid's face. I don't know what it was, something like that. And it turned out that it was a story of Covenant House mm -hmm. of Father Bruce Ritter and how he started uh, Covenant House. And I don't know why I picked up that booklet because like, and I don't know how these two things were connected but the next thing i know i was on the phone applying to be a volunteer at covenant house um and just for our listeners uh deacon covenant house of course is a downtown yep. toronto yeah go ahead yeah youth. so covenant house is is it, it, in toronto it's the largest youth shelter and an agency that works with street involved youth uh in canada and it, it was founded by father bruce ritter in new york city and it exists now in most major cities in North America. In Canada, we have a Covenant House in Toronto and in Vancouver. Um, so I started volunteering there. All I did was show up once a week and like hang out with the clients that the kids that would come in and, and you know, you'd give them food and, and hang out with them and chat like it was super chill. Um, and then about two years into that, my supervisor at Covenant House said that they were hiring and uh, they needed relief workers. So obviously I wasn't being hired to be like a full-time social worker or anything because I wasn't that, but they needed relief workers. And would I be interested because he thought I was, I was a good fit. So then I was hired to be a relief worker and I ended up being a relief worker at Covenant House for nine years. So, and that wow. was great because I wasn't full-time. They would call me if they needed me. So I was free to go to auditions and do any other work, but they were calling me. I mean, I was at Covenant House three four days a week sometimes five days a week and then depending on i do contracts and sometimes be there full time for the whole summer it was a great place to work and at the same time sort of the acting thing was not going great at the same time i was getting married uh and and starting a family and then in 1999 i heard that pope john paul ii was coming to toronto for this event called world youth day I'd, I had heard of World Youth Day in 1993 because it had been in Denver and a delegation from Covenant House had actually gone, but I didn't go. So I kind of knew a little bit about World Youth Day, didn't really know much about it other than the Pope would, was coming to, to Canada. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to volunteer for World Youth Day? Um, having no clue what that was about. But I was a musician in my parish and I thought, hey, maybe I can help with some music or something. And then uh, I mentioned it to a friend of mine, my friend Claire from my from my parish, 
And Claire said, oh, I want to volunteer as well. So why don't we go together and apply together? And so here's the second lesson for those that are taking notes. The second lesson is if you ever want to do something, don't wait to go with someone else. <laughs> it's <just laughs> never going to happen. Like, it's just like, oh, because months went by and, and Claire and I could never connect and we could never like go together. Of course, this is before internet. It's before email. Cell phones. Like, yeah. right. You have to like go and apply in person. Um, and then one day I'm working at Covenant House and I used to go around the corner up on Young Street to the little bagel cafe. That, that was actually the name of the place, the bagel cafe. And I would get my little lunch bagel and I'm having, you know, ordering my bagel and I look up and sitting there in a little table was a priest and another priest that actually looked like he was a bishop. And the priest, as I looked up, the priest looked up and I recognized him. It was Father Tom Rosica. Who now, how did you know him? Because he, he had been the chaplain at the Newman Center at the right. University of Toronto. Right. And I had met him at some event or something. I, I knew enough to know that he okay, had been. He knew the face. Okay, yep. And I already knew that he was the director of World Youth Day because I had done my research. Right. But he looked at me. Like we made eye contact and you know, like that moment when someone looks at you and you know that they recognize you, like there was like something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'm not like, you might listen to me and think that I'm like super confident and an extrovert. I'm not, I'm not an extrovert at all. I'm totally an introvert. Like I would never go up to some stranger and like, I would never do that. But, <laughs> but, and I'm telling you like, this is like the hand of God, but I paid for my bagel. Mm -hmm. I went right up to him and I said, Hey, uh, my name is Pedro. I'm a musician at Our Lady of Lourdes. And Father Brian Massey said that I should talk to you. I want to volunteer for World Youth Day. And at that moment, Father Tom could have said, I mean, what he should have said was, we actually have a website. It's the first World Youth Day to have a website. You know, fill out the application. Or, or we're going to be, you know, our volunteer applications start next month. Like, he could have said anything. But he didn't. Instead, he said, Oh, we're here on the ninth floor. Why don't you come visit one day? Wow. So the, the wow. next day I was there visiting him on the ninth floor and he didn't, uh, I wasn't, he hired me to work for, for World Youth Day. So I was hired to be in charge of the youth festival, which is the portion of World Youth Day where, where that has all the artistic uh, uh, contributions, all the music, all the dancing, all the, all the, uh, all the, uh, the, the festival part. Um, and then eventually that job evolved into me being the artistic director of World Youth Day, which kind of made sense because I had a theater degree. And so it's like everything was starting to come together. Come into place, yeah, the, yes. The, the, the Lord had been preparing you for absolutely. years, Ab for well, years. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, talk about preparation. Exactly a year before, one of the Jesuits, so I'm going to this parish, is the Jesuit parish in Toronto, Our Lady of Lourdes, yeah. and Father Gilles Monjot says to me, we're starting the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius in the daily life. I think you should do them. And of course, my response was the response that anybody, <laughs> that everybody gives, which is, I don't have time. Like what? Yeah. Like I have to do this once a week and have a spiritual director. And like, I don't even know what the spiritual exercise. And he just said, I think you should do them. And I just kind of opened my heart and went through a whole year. So annotation 19, the whole year of the spiritual exercises, in the course of the year and then about two months later i bump into father tom rosica so i was totally being prepared for this and then i mean world youth day was for me the i mean it wasn't a, a saint paul conversion but it was a conversion there was little more every day was a little moment mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. of conversion of conversion of conversion of conversion and of course and we can talk about that if you want but skip ahead world youth day ends it was the first time that I had ever worked in anything that I really felt that I was being used. Like it was all my studies, all my experience, all my contacts, my languages, everything was being used. And it was a place that was nourishing me intellectually. It was nourishing me spiritually. It was social. Like all my friends were people that worked at World Youth Day. It was just a great place to work. And then it was over. And I thought, I'm never going to have a job like this ever again. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do now? I don't feel like I want to go back to acting. I like, I don't know. Do I, do I go back to, to, to university? Do I get a theology degree? Do I become a youth minister? The only thing that, the only thing that I can remember is that in, that I, with my heart, I felt that I was being called to work alongside the bishop. And I don't know why I had that thought and I didn't know what it meant. 
other than I need to go work for the church. I ended up going back to Covenant House. There was a nine-month contract that came up, uh, somebody's maternity leave or a year contract. And so in the course of that year, about six months in, my sister calls me. She's living in Panama at the time. And she says, um, I was watching uh, Martin Valverde, who's a very well-known uh, Mexican singer-songwriter. Um, and he, she was watching him on EWTN in Spanish doing this little thing on TV. And she said, I watched him and I knew that that's what you need to be doing. You need to be going to work for Catholic TV. And I was like, what, I'm going to move to Birmingham and work for EWTN? Like, I'm not. There's no Catholic TV here. Okay, no kidding. A week later, a week later, no kidding. A week later, Father Tom Rosiga calls me and he says, we're starting a television, a Catholic TV network here in Canada. Do you want to come work with us? And that's how Salt and, that's Salt and Light Television started. That was in June well we 20 started, years ago i started now. i started working for covenant ha for for salt and light in june 2003 yeah 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 it was 20 years ago wow so, wow wow yeah. that, that, that's just jaw-dropping and yeah. i've been at Co i've been I, <laughs> i've been at, at salt and light yeah it's going to be 20 years and again it's 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 exactly uh, uh the job that's really using all my skills all my expertise all my talent my education and it's nourishing me intellectually and spiritually and i'm learning it's just a great place to work i mean so yeah and and, and that's always just so beautiful when you are able to find a career that is fulfilling like you say fulfilling intellectually but even more so fulfilling spiritually and to know that you're using all of these talents that god has given you uh, yeah. To promote the kingdom, like to, to is, do what he, where he's calling. But it's it. and it's classic again. It's classic Ignatian discernment. It's like so, God will place in your heart the desires. So like whatever you desire, like people think like, oh, I have these desires. You know, they're not godly. If you have desires, they're probably because God put them there, <laughs> right? And then sometimes the desire. And then you have the talent that goes along with the desire. So like I could have a desire to be an opera singer, but I don't have the talent. So that's, you know, and in fact, I don't have the desire to be an opera singer because I don't have the talent. So if you have the desire, you probably have the talent. And then at some point, God will give you the opportunity when those three things align. That's a very good sign that that's probably where you need to go. And then you get different confirmations, right? I wanted to come back here, Deacon Pedro, you were talking about being involved with Salt and Light Media and kind of being there since things started, like you were there when the shovel was put in the yeah. ground, so to speak. Yeah. That. And you've grown up with Catholic media here in Canada. And so are there kind of specific challenges to Catholic media or the or kind of being involved in media in the Catholic domain that maybe aren't elsewhere because i know you, you did have some acting experience before and probably saw a little bit of the, the more secular side of of media yeah. but is there something maybe more specific that, to the catholic media that poses challenges especially in the world today of the yeah. mainstream mass media i mean there are challenges that come with just where we are today 2022 in just in terms of media in general and and those will affect Catholics who are making media as well. Um, but I'm going to say, I mean, there might be other challenges, but the one that I really want to focus on is the fact that it's here in Canada and maybe even in, in, in other places, but in the U S particularly, but it's, it's a very young thing. So like, what is Catholic media? I don't think we know. Right. So mm -hmm. if I'm a Catholic producing media, does that mean that what I'm producing is Catholic media? I, I don't know. If I'm someone that is producing media with this specific intent to evangelize or, or with a missional intent, does that make it Catholic? Um, if I'm an outlet that is representing the church, you know, so I think that it, 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 it could be all of those things. Um, and uh, probably one of the challenges at Salt and Light is that we, we can't be all of that. 
you know it's like what 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 kind of media you know like the catholic register is a newspaper it's very clear that's a very clear lane it's a newspaper they do news they do um a commentary opinion it's a newspaper right and then they'd cop they they cover stories that are relevant to catholic readers um but they might also be relevant to other people but as a tv network are we a news network are we uh, do we make documentaries do we uh are, do we do talk shows are we do we are we an educational network is it like catholic pbs um and so not that it's been a struggle but it's been a journey in trying to sort of figure out kind of what is the lane that we're in uh, because catholic means that it's a really wide lane, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It's universal, right? And uh, in fact, one of the things that I learned uh, from Father Tom Rosica is that if you really want to be Catholic, you don't walk on the left side of the road or on the right side of the road. You walk down the middle of the road with a wide stride. And that means that you're being universally Catholic, but it makes it that. very hard. It makes it very hard as media because then are you you know, like, do we do, are we like the pro-life network or are we like the social justice network right. or are we like the, the news network? You know, are we life site news? Are we, uh, the PBS, do we do liturgies? You know, like it's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might mean that we are different things at different times. So if anything, I'd say that that's probably the challenge. Um, and now where people are consuming media on a mobile device that they carry in their hand, you know, like when we started Assault and Light, it was a TV network and people had cable and they would subscribe and get salt, you know, TV and you're scheduling programs. Now we're dealing with putting stuff on demand and uh, online and, and, and doing social media and little videos that people can consume on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That's a completely different thing. So is it changing that much quicker now than it was? Oh, absolutely. It's changing. It's it's changing even. uh, We can't keep up. I was just going to say you're hiring different people for. We we can't keep up. We 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 can't keep up, Um, and it's a challenge because you need change. Change change in the church is slow, Hmm. but I think for human beings, change is like it's hard. Like it's like we. It's uh, in its own nature. It means that nobody likes change. Right. Right. And um, change in the, sh- the church is measured in, in, you know, centuries type exactly. sometimes, right? And, they, and yeah. so, yeah, I don't know, like uh, we could have, we could have, I mean, we could be producing tele secular quote unquote, secular TV programs that are intended for CBC and CTV and re- secular networks, but that have particular values. And that's a very specific mission mm-hmm. to evangelize, right? But we're not. We have a network that's for people who are Catholic, who are going to subscribe to a network, and it's going to be mostly, I mean, really, most of the people that watch our network are are, are seniors who are still watching TV at, you know, at one o'clock. Yeah. Every day I tune in for the Mass, right. and if you don't have the Mass, or if it's a different Mass, they call in and complain. Um so you're hitting Robert's demographic there. I see. We, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. But no, you've you've done a, you've done all those things that you mentioned though, Deacon. You, I mean, you've done turning the tide. I show that to my grade twelves. That great little film you did on euthanasia. So you do a lot of documentaries. You yeah, do we do. Robert's didn't been down for the mass with his students. I mean, you you do hit a lot for different people. So it's actually it's working. Well, thank you, thank you. But but it is a challenge. It is a challenge, and and it really depends on who's who's the head. So if I was in charge. It would probably have more of an emphasis on one thing. Um, we do. I think that one of our strengths is documentary making. We do make documentaries, uh, whereas other Catholic networks are not. They're doing more kind of live TV, live TV. Um, talk shows, and that kind of thing. We so we comp. That's great because then that means that people don't need to watch Salt and Light if they want to watch t- Catholic talk shows. They can watch something else, and then those other networks don't have to worry about making documentaries because we're making documentaries um and i was kind of wondering about that too because again that's uh you know salt and light is a canadian catholic that's the other media right right? and where you mentioned earlier your sister watching the wtn which is kind of in in my perspective the catholic media juggernaut yeah well yeah it is 
but from what you're saying, it's almost like you're trying to be complementary to one another as opposed to competing. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, we don't compete. We're great yeah. partners. And, and I mean, EWTN has a very specific brand mm -hmm. and it, it works very well for them. I mean, they have a hundred million subscribers around the world. Um, and they had EWTN in Spanish and they have EWTN in, in UK and I mean, right. It's, it's a, it's a, <laughs> but, but they've also been at it much longer than we have. And they have a, you know, the United States is a larger market. Um, the also, also the broadcasting laws in the United States are different than the broadcasting laws in Canada. So we're not, a, we're not able to do in Canada, what EWTN does in the States, because the law does not allow it. Like for what instance? So the CRTC, the, the, the right. government, uh, branch that, 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 yep. that dictates the, the broadcasting rules does not allow, do not allow for single faith broadcasters to exist in Canada. So you don't, you cannot have an over the air station that is single faith, um, the the Christian stations exist because they're not single faith. They're right. multi-faith because they're Christian. Right. So right? what would Salt and Light be if Salt not and Light would be single faith because we're right. Catholic. Right. Right. So we don't we don't exist over the air. We exist oh, okay. on cable. On cable, yeah. Um, but if you I mean, th there is no Catholic radio station in English Canada. There's there's yeah. French, there's Catholic radio in in Quebec. But right. it doesn't exist in Canada and the rest of Canada because the CRTC does not allow it. Now, I don't know if that's something that someone mm. could challenge or if we could start our own station and, and call it multi-faith and have Ukrainians and Maronites yeah. and Melkites and, and, you know, because we're all Catholic and maybe throw in some evangelical in there, but still right. have Catholic adoration and mass and talk about Mary. I don't know. Um, but right now, so that limits as to how we can be available. So right now we can only exist as by subscription mm -hmm. on through cable but then it turns out that that's how people are consuming the the media anyway right nobody's turning on the tv to watch you know with their antenna with the rabbit ears trying to find an over-the-air station robert mentioned about yourself and having you back for sure to talk about the diaconate we could talk about Salt and Light, uh, Salt and Light for a show at least, but we do want to jump into your role this past summer. Uh, oh, yes. With the, the Pope's visit, obviously, your role with uh, the Truth and Reconciliation. Maybe you could just briefly talk about what your role was this past few months when uh, His Holy Father did come to Canada. Can I, in, in can, can, can I just uh, preface that by saying sure. that just last summer, I was thinking, okay, so like in this decade i did this i came to canada and then the next decade i uh i got married and then the next decade i had world youth day and then the next decade i was ordained to the diaconate you know it's like every so like now what's gonna happen in this decade and sure enough <laughs> and sure enough so um i mean it's not not a surprise that a lot of the people that ended up working on the papal visit this year were people that had worked on world youth day 20 years ago because okay. we had a little bit of a a little bit of a, 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 a of a an advantage at, at at understanding a little bit about how to how to plan a papal event, mm -hmm. um, even though there was no playbook for 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 any papal event really. But there's there was no playbook for this one, and as papal visits go, this was probably one of the more complicated ones um, because of the context that the Pope mm -hmm. made it very clear that he was coming on a pilgrimage of penance to to express his sorrow at the suffering that indigenous people endured at the hands of Catholics um, and to offer an apology. And so that made it very complicated because mm -hmm. um, it wasn't just the Pope coming in to bring in the hope of Jesus Christ to 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 bring to to give people hope, which is what the Pope does especially this Pope, he goes to the margins to bring hope to people who've lost hope. But in this case, it was the church that took their hope away. Mm -hmm. So it made it very complicated. And then add to that, the fact that not only did we have to deal with the Vatican and obviously with the government, because it's a state visit. So you have to deal with the government and, and global affairs and, and the office of the governor general and, and which by the way, were, excellent to work with the federal government the all were amazing but we had to deal with all the indigenous leadership as well um and they they have their own protocols and and we say indigenous 
as if it was like this monolith of like, mm-hmm. you know, like all Scandinavians eat, you know, raw herring. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they don't. There are 634 First Nations in Canada. Wow. They don't all agree on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And, and there are national political indigenous organizations that don't really represent everybody. And so you have some saying the Pope has to come and apologize. You have others saying, I don't care if the Pope comes to apologize. You have others saying, um, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe he can apologize, but he can apologize in Rome. Yeah. And others saying, you know, like it was like all over the place. And then you have some saying there's consultation. There's no consultation. Um, there was tons of consultation, but maybe not with the people that were complaining that there was no consultation. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then, right. And then, so that's First Nations. And then you have the Inuit and then you have the Metis and the Metis are divided. And the, it was just very complicated. Uh, not, not in a bad way, just com- complex. Mm-hmm. Um, as, and, and then add to that, we only had four months to plan this papal visit. I think that six months is about the average. Um, we only had four months. So in a way, I think that that was a good thing because it meant that we were forced to focus on the essentials. So we knew that it was going to be a frugal visit. We had to focus on what we had to focus on. The Pope is going to come. He's going to meet with survivors and former students and, and say what he feels he needs to say. And we are here to facilitate that encounter. And, and particularly where he, and, and as well, where he's going to go. He's not going to go to the big cities. He's not interested oh, in that. Oh, absolutely. He's go to the place Absol- where, absolutely. You know, so, but you know, I mean, think work. about it. So the Vatican has a very clear playbook as to what a papal visit is because they mm-hmm. do papal visits all the time. Mm-hmm. And they literally have a playbook. Um, and it's like he it's a visit state. He arrives at the airport. He's greeted by the head of state. There's a, a meeting with dignitaries. He goes to the Capitol. And we're like, he, if he, the first thing he does is go to the Capitol he might as well not come because the first thing he does yeah yeah, the first thing he does is he needs to go to a former residential school site Mm -hmm. and so the vatican kind of had to they had a steep learning curve (laughs) you know it's like all of a sudden in 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 a couple months they had to understand 150 years of colonialism in canada Mm -hmm. and residential schools and intergenerational trauma and the 60s scoop and it's like on and on and on so i mean again kudos to them that they were able to make this work, but we were, they were changing things the, the week of, because they were just coming to understand things and adjust things. And then you got Pope Francis that is just very comfortable, just also adjusting at the last minute. And I mean, we didn't find out like he arrives and he's supposed to be wheeled. The first event that he did, he starts at the cemetery in silent prayer. He was supposed to be in the Pope mobile. We didn't find out that he was not in the Pope mobile until we saw him in the wheelchair. Mm, wow. And it was because because he came out and said, and and they were like, Holy Father, the Pope mobile. And he's like, No, no, let's stay in the wheelchair. And so then next thing you know, he's being wheeled to the cemetery. And but I think that's one of the things that endears I Pope think, Francis yeah, I was, to, right. to the people. More than endear, I think that's one of the things that made it work. Mm-hmm because he was i don't know i like to i'd like to say that it that the holy spirit had 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 a hand in in kind of guiding this it's like what is not that pope francis is you know from in a manipulative way kind of looking for iconic moments but that's what we ended up with it's like there's these little moments and you can see it in the photos it's like there's these moments where where like he's praying in the cemetery but he's in a wheelchair and then he's he 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 he's greeted at the airport and he kisses the hand of the, the survivors the, the the chief that came to greet him right and um he's given a headdress yes that that was we kind of knew was... we kind of knew that was mm-hmm. planned that was going to happen but it wasn't officially planned because had we officially planned it the vatican would not have allowed it <laughs> uh, it's yeah they would not probably would not have allowed it without a lot of research and consultation and right because they're concerned about how the pope looks on a world Mm -hmm. stage Mm -hmm. um so there were lots of little moments like that the fact that he was wheeled at lac saint anne saw all the way almost to the water and that was a beautiful shot too wasn't it? but is he gonna stand up we thought is he gonna like put his shoe in the water like what's he gonna do And that was this beautiful moment that it turns out to be a beautiful photograph. So there were lots of little moments like that, that, that I think, um, kind of 
en- encapsulate maybe if that's mm-hmm. the right word what what this encounter this 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 visit was about yeah. what was that beautiful I'm, I'm getting goosebumps i'm getting yeah. goosebumps just li- listening to all of that and i think to it just that humility that he brought and that like you say the free flowing or that ability to uh maneuver ability to maneuver to, mm-hmm. to, to do things the, kind of go off, off script well. to, to go off right. script. yeah it is now i can tell you human. i can tell you so my job I was a senior lead program. So my job, I was responsible for all the programming. So I was in charge of nine events with the Holy Father. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily figuring out what the content of the event was, because if it was a liturgy, we would have been working with liturgists and, you know, Father Cristino Bouvet, who's indigenous and Catholic. He's a priest and he was our director of liturgy. Um, and a lot of the events, like the apology event at, at the Masco Cheese was very simple. There wasn't a lot to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but my job was to make sure that whatever happened looked good and kind of came to life. So like, where's the chair? Like I was in charge of the, the papal chairs and, okay. and that set and the, all the production, make sure we have lights and microphone and all that, um, which is great. Cause that's what I do. Um, and I can tell you that, that we went, I mean, 90%, we followed the program. It went according to plan, but it was the little moments that weren't planned that made a huge difference so in a way it was great that we were able to plan something that could breathe so that the holy spirit could could float in there right well it <laughs> went off there. without a hitch deacon what was that um well not, yeah there were hitches it, but there were hitches yeah, but i won't we didn't tell notice you what them, they were. the public but it was just <laughs> south of edmonton and it was kind of an open air and the, he was greeting a lot of the first nations uh, just as he arrived i think it might have even been the second day what was that it was a small little it wasn't a church because it was outdoors but i think it had a roof over it and it was a beautiful little spot was it just um so uh you you might first be first or second day yeah it might have been lac saint anne which is the day that he went to the lake okay um so out, just outside Afterwards, just yeah at Lac Saint Anne, there's a place that they call the shrine. So it's an it's a it's a covered shrine, but it's right. open. That was it. But yep. it's open, and then yeah, it was intimate. There were maybe about oh man, maybe about a thousand people fit in that, that shrine, it. but it's that still it. very intimate. But he's so close. I mean, the stage. And they all came up afterwards to yeah, and then a lot of the chiefs. To, yeah, that yeah, wasn't yeah. planned. A lot of the okay. chiefs kind of oh. came up on stage. No, that was not planned. Okay. Um, uh but yeah that was it was a liturgy of the word and it was very simple and and very down and the pope is just so accessible um and we did the same thing so the first event the one at masquachis when when he apologized the first time again it was just very open the pope did was on a platform because he needed to be raised and and for easy access for him because of the wheelchair Mm -hmm. but there were no fences there was no security people were sitting in the grass it was, and in fact, at one point we thought all these people are just going to climb up on stage because they could. Um, uh, so, and I think that those decisions made a huge difference because it's what you saw on TV and you saw that there was no security. There was no, uh, it was just, it was very, the Pope came across as very accessible. Accessible and accessible. humble as Robert said too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and humble. Is, right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was great. And, and as you experience. were kind of starting to talk about it, yeah, so very different from past papal visits. I mean, I remember both visits of St. John Paul II, both mm-hmm. in 1984 and in 2002. Mm-hmm. And they were joyous occasions. Like there were, there was this great anticipation. It was like almost a, a party atmosphere. Yeah. Well, you were in charge of the festival for the World Youth Day. So yeah, yeah it was kind of a you party atmosphere where the, the whole point of this visit wasn't that. No, it wasn't. And that was, again, that was part of the challenge because we couldn't, you know, I couldn't phone like all my Catholic singer songwriter friends and say, Hey, you want to come and sing for the Pope? Because it wasn't that it wasn't about that. No, it wasn't about that. that. And then finding indigenous artists to help with music also wasn't easy because a lot of them were like, no, we don't want to sing for the Pope or we're (laughs) not going to do it for free or, (laughs) um, Right. And a lot of it was so a lot of it was very, uh, I was going to say somber, but somber is not the right word. Very, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very. I, I don't want to say formal, but I, I understand what you're saying. It's not, yeah. not somber. No, uh, it's, uh, ve- yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll, it'll come to me. Three, well, sure three guys I'll... that live with words can't come up with one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah yes, it, it had to be. It had to be uh, 
meaningful um and not necessarily festive but at the same time i think that we did celebrate indigenous culture in a way without rejoicing in the suffering that they've endured mm-hmm. right and i and i think that that was fair it, uh, for a long time i felt that we needed to emphasize the penitence more i thought you know like we need the theme of this visit should be you know psalm 53 you know lord or Psalm 51, um, you know, uh, forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. Like, it should be that. And of course, it wasn't that. Um, It was both. And if you look at the Pope's speeches, and I really highly encourage anyone who's listening to go back, go to slmedia.org, to our blog, slmedia.org slash Pope in Canada. All the speeches are there in English and French. Read them again, because there's so much there that maybe you heard it, when he was speaking them, but you need to go back and read them again because there's so much there. He touched everything that he needed touch to touch over a course of nine speeches. Um, and know, and, like, the, and the, like you say, you need to go back and read them not just a, again, but again, book study. and again, yeah, and again, yeah. and again, because yeah. each time that you're going to read them, you're, you're going to get gonna, something else. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I was reading the Catholic Register magazine that they put out about yeah, it, yeah. You know, the penance mm-hmm. in progress. Yes. And there was one line in there, and I I can't take the time now to go back and, and find who it was, but there was one line where Pope Francis's visit is not the end of the journey. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm paraphrasing there, but basically this is kind of the first step and, and he's, he's put us on this path of reconciliation, but it's now up to us. It is on, on both sides uh, of this journey to, to try to walk hand in hand together yes, forward. And, and that's what we, I mean, we knew that right from the beginning when, when the delegation, so there was a group of indigenous people that traveled to Rome at the end of March mm-hmm. and the Pope apologized to them on April 1st. Um, and right from there, those delegates, they all said, you know, this is a first step. We're be- this is a beginning. But you know what? We would not have be beginning anything had the Pope not come. So the fact that he came, is, mm-hmm. is, he has huge significance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it means something. And then, yeah, now you and me and our, with the leadership of our bishops, under the leadership of our bishops, need to then take this. And we need to take it to our schools and to our parishes. And, and if it means that you need to educate yourself about our history or educate yourself about First Nations, Inuit, MAT people, or educate, like that's the first thing, just to educate yourself. And then, and then have a, have, live your Christian life in a spirit of reconciliation. Like, what does that mean? And the Pope talks about this, because we're not called to reconcile just with indigenous people that the church hurt. We're called to reconcile with everyone all yeah, the time and, and we, sisters yeah exactly and we need to reconcile ourselves with god and i mean reconciliation for us is a sacrament and what does that mean and the pope at sacred heart which was the first day of the event in the evening he talks about how though even the word church has the same meaning as the word reconcile because it's a to 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 come into council again and we come into council as church people gathered gathering together so like a church as church we are a people of reconciliation and and a people of walking together and when you're friends with someone you know like robert dennis deacon pedro i don't think it's like okay today i'm gonna go and uh walk together with dennis (laughs) i'm gonna today i'm gonna no i just think hey there's dennis he's my 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 brother we're gonna have a beer together Mm -hmm. right so let's how about let's just stop thinking about big words like reconciliation and walking together and and let's just be friends and being friends means, are, are you interested in the other and, and in, interested in getting to know them and, and learning their stories as, as a person, not as a people, as, a, as that one person, you know? And it starts in your parish. Like, I'm a deacon. I see a new parishioner come in. Do I go and say, hello, I'm Deacon Pedro. I haven't seen you here before. I'm welcoming them. I, I, that's the first thing I said mm-hmm. tonight. Huh. We need to be welcoming, right? Do you, do you reach out, you know, you as teachers, if you have a new student come in, of course, you're going to reach out to them and, and make them feel welcome. But are all the other students in your school doing the same thing where they know that if they see someone that they don't, that they're going to reach out to them and get to know them. And, and it's like, he's a little strange or he dresses a little strange or he smells a little funny or he eats different food. 
well, hey, let's get to know each other. And that means listening, that, that's what walking together is, and that's what means to be a people of reconciliation. And we need to do that, not just with our indigenous peoples, but with everyone all the time. Oh, man. Well said. Oh, man. Yeah. Well said. And I, I don't think we can add any more to that. No. Well, we need, a, we need a part two, Robert, that's for sure. So we'll, we'll arrange that. We'll, we'll, we'll get that on the calendar like you're tomorrow. Saying- Right. We it's, need uh, a part two because that deacon talks too much. No, we have so so much more to talk about. Uh, it's such a great time. Exactly. You know what? We would not be having this conversation had the Pope not come to Canada on a journey of, of healing and reconciliation. And, and people are having this conversation in parishes and Catholic schools and Catholic circles all over this country as we speak. And that is great. That's where we need to be. That's the next step. That's yeah. what happens on the Pope was here for six days. That's what happens on the seventh day. We don't rest. Yeah. We start <laughs> working together. And, and God willing, you know, people listening to this podcast. And again, like you say, it's not just reconciliation with the indigenous peoples of Canada, but and not just indigenous people, but reconciliation with each other and, and just with walking together and, and being French and, and the friendship and the fellowship with each other. Because mm-hmm. we do have listenership that's, you know, around Amen. the world. So yes. I, I think what you're saying is just as valid for any of our listeners. Yeah. Yeah, right? it is. For sure. Yeah, it is. And but yeah, we, we are gonna have to get you back on to talk more about you know Catholic media and, and, and salt and, and, and the diaconate, hundred mm-hmm. percent the diaconate. Well, if you give me enough time, I'll make sure I have some Panamanian mm-hmm. beer. I'm actually Absolutely. going to Panama. I'm gonna be going to Panama in November, so I'll make sure I'll bring some beer. We can okay, do it, we can and then we'll get you back on soon after. Part two with Pedro, but we'll yes. have to put the deacon in there. So it won't be that illiterate. It won't be. A, won't be <laughs> so, so then, Dennis, I need to ask you, do we wait for part two to uh, get Deacon Pedro, no, our, deacon, uh, our guest gift? Oh, my deacon God. Find some Q's hat. Deacon gets the hat for sure. Oh, my uh, gosh. The, absolutely. The I wear that up in beautiful yeah. Bradford. And the uh, swag. Swag. That's our swag wear, Deacon. You yeah. guys have, your budget is a, a bigger budget than the Salt and Light Hour. <laughs> Salt and Light Hour doesn't have swag. There we go. You so, know what? We we got to do. We got to get a business manager because we're losing money on the swag. We're to <laughs> no, no, no kidding. No away. kidding. But I, I'm actually going to be up in your neck of the woods uh, Saturday watching my nephew play hockey. So uh, off air, off? I'm not gonna, I'm not going to get you to give me your address while we're recording here, Deacon Pedro. But off air, I'll get your address again. Well, but you me. know where I preach, and I'm preaching this weekend. So mass Saturday, 5 p.m. Can't go uh, wrong at Holy Martyrs of Japan. But I think Robert, I was, you I, 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 I've got uh, my, my nephew at five fifty in Sharon. Oh, on the, on the rink, so. yeah, yeah, that's, that's not going to work. So that's not going to work. But uh, like, I'd say, like I said, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump from where your, your house. I'll even just leave it at the front door. You could just and go to mass and then leave after the homily. That's what. Sorry, did you say leave before the homily? Leave oh, after <laughs> the homily. That, that's what a lot of people do. They listen to the homily and then they leave. But the best no, part comes after leave, the homily. Like uh, they leave after the homily, they don't leave after the. They leave, you mean they leave after communion? And and, and Dennis, you thought you left early. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mass isn't no. long anymore. De- 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 Dennis is right after the collect, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> hey, as long as you arrive and put money in the basket, we're all good. There I got my are. envelope all set for Sunday, uh, Deacon. <laughs> we're all set. So again, Deacon Pedro, thank you so very much for for coming by. How was your cider? I mean, it, it's almost all remember? gone. It's almost all gone. My beer's almost gone. That yeah, was we, absolutely a pleasure, Deacon. We like Robert says. I know we joke about it, but we'd love to get you back. Uh, please, God, I'd love to be back. This was okay. great, and hey, we should do it in person. We, we would love that, but we would need some technical help setting up the microphones that we could. Uh, yeah, I know it's so complicated. That, that, that's no beyond some. That's beyond some of us. Uh, as you know, we've that, that cost me a lunch one time getting some technical help because we're we're not the professionals here. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll we're see. Coming. Maybe we can do it in person. And uh, since I'm getting a free hat, and thank you so much for your work on on behalf of Catholics in the Toronto area, Deacon. You're doing a wonderful job. We, myself and Robert appreciate it, and keep thank up the you. great work. Thank you very much. And if I can put in a plug there for Salt and Light. So SL Media, if people want to find out more about the history of the Catholic Church and why the Pope came to Canada, there's this great documentary that I produced called Walking Together. And you can watch it for free at slmedia.org. slmedia.org. Actually, I think it's slmedia.org slash walking together. Like it doesn't get any easier. It's an hour long. It's great. Um, if any of you teach high school students, it's even very good for high school students. It'll be perfect. Yeah. yeah. No, excellent. Yeah. You know, I, I'd meant to ask that. That's so I get myself. And you'll put all that stuff on the website. hundred percent. That's all going to be in the show notes as well. Perfect. Uh, 
So yeah, no, thank you very much again. Yeah, and if people want to get in touch with me also, I mean, you can put that contact information there, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Perfect. Yeah, now yeah, we'll definitely get we'll definitely get it all in there. Thank Thank you you so much, Deacon. Take care. God bless. Robert, that was we needed a part two right after the part one with Deacon Pedro. That was fantastic. I really enjoyed speaking tonight. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's going to be our longest episode to date. And like you said, we were just scratching the surface. There's so much more. There's not much to edit out there. We needed to hear everything. And we still haven't gone into the diaconate as much as we'd like. We still, we could probably do a lot more on salt and light. We could probably do a lot more on the papal visits. I mean, there's just so much more with Deacon, but maybe we will get him back in the spring. I would like that. Yeah. Well, I'll get on, on organizing that uh, tomorrow. Yeah. You got to give him a six months notice as you do for most of our guests and then remind them a few times in between. But no, it it was very good tonight. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, no, oh, and same here. Same here. He's uh, he's a great guy, uh, doing great work for the church. Yeah, great work for the, and so much for the church. And my beer's gone. Completely. Your beer's gone. I was gonna say my my hourglass here is pretty much empty. Uh, I'm surprised I didn't finish it earlier because of uh, the little bit of spillage that happened there when I opened. I don't. Know, I cracked it open and it just exploded on me. You know, and I totally missed that because we started talking about downtown Newmarket, myself and. Uh... Deacon Pedro, we got into a nice long discussion about how much it's changed for the better. But my puppers was pumping that. That was really good beer. It was a really yeah, nice beer. It was just, just a so it's a, beer, a, a golden so a golden lager. Golden lager, and it goes oh, down so right. smooth. Yeah, and my yours? my Bob Cajun Red Ale again, very very nice, a nice full bodied red. I would like amber. the Red Ale. It was it was a nice. two weeks in a row, two shows in a row that you haven't had an IPA. I, I think, think so. I mean, well, like I said, I'm, I'm uh, the IPA season is it's kind a of summer. I know it's a summer thing. And it's we need cold. to bring back a... your Belgian dark ales. Robert. Oh yeah, we'll no, we're, we're we're heading that way as we're going into the Dunkel kind of days. Oh, actually, speaking of, just a little aside, but I looked up Puppers. Of course, Labatt had to get their big claws in it. So Labatt, which is part of Budweiser, Corona, Stellar Artois, Bex, Left. Am I pronouncing that right? Left. Yeah, your left is part of Puppers. They're they're cousins. They're from the same big company. Alexander yeah. Keiths, Labatt, Michelob, Grolsch, Pilsner, or Quell. I mean, there's a lot of beers with the Puppers family. So there you go. There, there we go. But the time seems to have flown by, and yeah, our glasses are empty. Always a pleasure, Robert. Robert, both the pint and the conversation. Especially the pints, especially the but, pints. And it, yes, but it was uh, certainly a pleasure tonight to talk about our Catholic faith with uh, Deacon Pedro. Very true. Very true. And just before we wrap up here, Dennis, perhaps there's one small favor we could ask of our listeners. If you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review. And while you're at it, give us a like on Facebook and drop us a line either there or at pintsandpews at gmail.com. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. Chat again soon, mate. God willing. And until then, my friend, can you remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton? In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. <laughs>